everyone. Welcome to this roundup. When security risk from cyberspace merge and converge with aquaspace, geospace, and space, building effective cyber defense has never been more critical for individuals and entities across nations, its government, industries, organizations, and academia than it is now. As we see today, the heightened risk and fragility from cyberspace is threatening to reverse major development gains for nations across cyberspace, aquaspace, geospace, and space. So the question is, if countries are to protect their hard-fought progress and development, how should they build cyber defense? To discuss cyber defense further, I'm delighted to welcome Dr. Eric Cole to this roundup. Dr. Cole is the CEO of Secure Anchor Consulting. He is considered to be one of the nation's top cybersecurity experts. He has advised President Obama, the CIA, Bill Gates, McAfee, and Lockheed Martin. He is also the author of many, many books of cybersecurity, and he's based in the United States. Welcome, Dr. Cole. We are so honored to have you on this roundup. It's a pleasure to be on the show. Thank you so much for having me. Wonderful, Dr. Cole. So what is the first line of defense for any organization or a country today? To me, the first line of defense is to really understand what your critical data is to the organization. I find so many organizations and people, they want to start with the threats or perimeters or firewalls. But what we have to remember is if you have any functionality, you won't have 100% security. So to me, cybersecurity is not about preventing the adversary. It's about controlling and minimizing the damage to your critical assets. But unless you know what your critical assets are, where they're located, you really can't begin the process of protecting and securing that information. And we see time and time again, whether it's something like Edward Snowden stealing classified information or the Marriott hotel chain getting breached, in all those cases, there was critical data that was exposed that the organization did not realize and was not aware of. That you made a very, very good point because today, irrespective of whether you're talking about a family or we're talking about any organization in any industry or government, they most of them, they just don't know what data they have, what digital assets they have and where they are located and how, what the processes are and what, who has access to it. So like the examples that you just gave, those, you know, breaches would not have happened if we knew if the organizations knew what data they had and who has access to it, if someone else was, you know, trying to access, that should have immediately triggered, you know, uh, some red flag that somebody else is trying to, you know, access and trying to download so much data. But those, you know, uh, processes are not, you know, put in such a way that we get those kind of alerts. So that is an excellent point, and everything should be, you know, revolving around the digital data and about the resiliency because cybersecurity risk, resilience, and defense preparedness, they all walk hand in hand and nations and any of its component or all of its components will not thrive when all of its components do not know how to build effective cyber defense or resilience so as you see the organizations that you work with irrespective of whether it's united states or any other country in the world where do you see the baseline requirements of cyber defense and what processes are followed today to me one of the big areas that's critical for cyber defense that many organizations don't get is to me it's not a technical problem it's a business problem if you can't articulate it in a way that your ceos and executives and the people making decisions can understand 
you're never going to have the resources that you need. So the old school way is I hear technical people saying, we don't have enough firewalls or IDSs or SIM, or we need more resources or this or that. That means absolutely nothing to your executives. What a security professional where cyber defense really needs to go is we need to be able to articulate it in business terms. So for example, I recently worked with a company that was trying to get a budget for three years and failed. And I went in and had a 15 minute meeting with the CEO. And what I did was I said, your critical assets have a 95% chance of being compromised. And if that happens, you will lose $10 million. I want 500K to protect it. And boom, we got the money almost instantly because we spoke the language that businesses understand. We often forget that cybersecurity is risk management. Cybersecurity is not about technology. It's not about bits and bytes. It's about what is the risk to your critical assets. And you need to be able to articulate those risks. And what is the risk? What is the likelihood of occurring? What is the cost if it occurs? And what is the cost to fix it? To me, those are the four parameters that if you want to be successful in cyber defense, that's how you have to shift and focus your mind. I think those are excellent points because talking in the language of business that the executives understand is absolutely essential. And you nailed it there because, you know, most of the people, when we talk about cybersecurity, they just talk about the technical language, you know, firewalls and these and that. And, you know, it is very difficult for the executives to understand what is necessary and where their risks are, you know, emerging. So talking in their language is the probably the first step and you know the most important step especially you know to put together any effective plan or to put together any effective processes or what kind of people are necessary because the talking about you know when we talk about cyber defense and preparedness we have to look at the overall you know if you're talking about an organization we have to look at the collective organization structure and we have to see every component of an organization if you're talking about a country we have to see every component of a country because cyberspace you know is connected with everything in same thing for you know any organization each business unit, everybody is now online and everything is connected and everything is interconnectedness and interdependency so uh, Talking from that language, understanding what your integration points are and who is you know, involved and what processes are involved, all that understanding is absolutely essential. So from your understanding, as you, you know, talk with all these executives across you know, uh, different industries, you know, different uh, businesses, who, who is involved currently in managing in the cyber defense and preparedness is it the it executives or is it the uh, you know risk management executives or is it the business executives in most organizations today and this is sort of the fundamental reason why we have a lot of problems and a lot of breaches is your executives and the board of directors they know that cybersecurity is important and they're scared but they don't know what questions to ask and they don't get the information they need. And it really falls down to the engineers, the security engineers, which don't get me wrong, are brilliant. But the problem I find with a lot of security engineers is they don't understand how to balance risk. They wanna make everything 100% secure. And if you give them $100 million, they'll spend it. They'll spend as much money as they can 
they don't always step back and really prioritize what is and is not acceptable risk. And a great example of this that I see all the time that comes up is with ransomware. And you have a lot of security engineers and technical people that make a statement like you should never pay the ransom. You should never negotiate with attackers. Never, ever pay the ransom. That is assuming that you always do the right thing, that your data is protected, your data is secure. But I'm one of those probably rare exceptions that I think if companies didn't do what they were supposed to, and you do get hit with ransomware, from a business standpoint, there are some legitimate business cases where it actually makes sense to pay the ransom. Now, yes, in a perfect world, we shouldn't have to pay the ransom. But in a perfect world, nobody would get sick, right? In a perfect world, everyone would get along, and we don't live in that perfect world. So to me, executives need to ask better questions and the security engineers need to recognize that they need to change their language and speak in a way that the executives understand. Otherwise, we have these two smart groups of people that are just talking past each other and therefore the wrong decisions are being made and the critical information is not being protected. Yeah, I think you brought a really interesting and very valid point because irrespective of cybersecurity or you know AI, as we see that, you know, right now the trend is that everybody, you know, is living the vision, the defining of, you know, what problem to solve or where to go, everything to the engineers, as if, you know, engineers has the experience of looking at, you know, at the world in a strategically or visualizing what problems need to be solved. So the trend, you know, over the years moved towards, you know, giving control of defining all these, you know, new tech, using these technologies and uh, securing the cyberspace, securing each layer of cyberspace, you know, leaving it to uh, the engineers. And that is not, you know, the very wise move because like you said, you know, we need to, the executives need to understand what questions to ask. At the same time, executives, you know, businesses and business leaders need to understand what is important to them and where are those assets you know irrespective of whether it's in cyberspace or in the geo geospace because now everything is connected so even if something is not connected to the cyberspace to the internet it is still you know it may be connected in many indirect ways so everything is currently you know involved and everything is interconnected and interdependent so to have that broader understanding of what needs to be secured, what, uh, you know, how we should go forward, the businesses and executives, you know, need to play a ma major role in that. And same for, you know, risk management uh, uh, professionals, because if you see currently, you know, the big challenge I see, which I have been, you know, preaching for last so many years since we, you know, launched risk group is about the interconnectedness and interdependencies. If you see currently, you know, we, as we you know identify risk each of it's not that we don't know understand what risk you know are there a lot of risks are identified but what happens to those risks you know we identify organizations identify those risks they manage some risk they purchase insurance policies for you know other risk and the most of the risk you know interconnected risk they just ignore i had in the reason behind that is nobody is paying attention to interconnected risk they just think, you know, it's uh, why to waste resources on that when we cannot do anything about it. And that is, you know, where the big problem is, because if you look at the overall risk profile, 
only 25% you know is consists of operational risk legal risk financial risk and all that 75% is strategic security risk and unless we understand the overall security risks that are coming to us you know in terms of you know which new ideas are emerging which new innovations are happening new processes new way of doing things are emerging from across nations we we are we will be blinded and we would not know what is hitting us in terms of competition cyber security is not just protecting our digital data cyber security is about protecting our organizations our you know business models our industries in the way of doing things and our definite understanding of definition of cyber security has become so narrow it has come down to just information security and that to me is a big concern because unless you understand what is cyber security what is cyber defense you cannot actually do anything about it everybody is just talking about you know firewalls and all that and i am like you know yes you, it is important to protect our digital data but it's more important to protect our way of life our way of you know business models the way we do things our you know industries and our businesses if we don't think about the strategic security risk how are you going to protect that and if yeah. we don't have a way of understanding or identifying what ideas innovations and new models are coming our way how are we going to define our you know current products services and business models so that is a big concern to me but it seems you know they are not paying attention at this point but i'm not giving up i'm going to keep fighting about this and making sure that they understand but there is a long way to go you know they just don't care about it right now and that is a cause of great concern but to build a resilient nation we need to understand all this because it requires developing and maintaining our collective capacity not only to defend from the cyber attacks you know to you know protect ourselves from hackers and criminals but also to protect our business models and uh, our way you know way of doing things so do you see this challenge as you you know talk to the executives as you talk to your the organizations absolutely and one of the things i always tell folks is most companies when it comes to cybersecurity today they're doing good things they're putting some measures in place they're hiring some people they're monitoring and tracking some logs the problem is they're not doing the right things that really matter and the problem is they're missing a key part of the equation and we talk about risk but risk is really threats times vulnerabilities threats are what are the potential for harm and then vulnerabilities or weaknesses that allow that to happen well you can only control vulnerabilities therefore what i find is a lot of companies jump in and they just start fixing random vulnerabilities they have somebody oh i like this or i like that or here's this new technology that's out there and they just want to buy and just start fixing vulnerabilities and yes if you fix some vulnerabilities you are making forward progress and doing good things the problem is if you're fixing vulnerabilities in which there's not a real threat and you go in and there's vulnerabilities with a bigger threat and you're not doing the right things that really matter and to me the secret for doing risk correctly is adding in two additional components so in addition to risk equals threat times vulnerability you need to add in likelihood and impact so when now you go in and prioritize i always work with clients and say okay what are the threats that have the highest likelihood what are the vulnerabilities that have the biggest impact and let's focus in on those let's focus in on fixing 
those areas that would cause the most damage because as I said earlier, cybersecurity is not about preventing the adversary, it's about controlling and minimizing the damage. And the only way we do that is by stepping back, taking a more holistic view of the problem. And as you said, everybody loves technologies. I'm a big AI person, I love AI. But I think it's doing a disservice in cybersecurity because everybody is like, oh, if you buy AI technology, you're secure, you're secure, you're secure. Well, let's face it, the biggest risk to your organization is an individual receiving an email that looks legitimate and then clicking on a link or opening an attachment. AI doesn't solve that problem. User education does, but user education is more difficult. So everyone would rather spend $2 million on AI than spend $2 million on user awareness because it's harder and more difficult. But that's an example where we're fixing the wrong problem and not focusing on the highest priority issues. You are talking my language because education and awareness is fundamental. We have yes. to give the proper understanding to everyone involved in the organizations. And unless we do that, we will not be able to identify what are our critical assets and how to protect them and, you know, and what processes need to we need to follow. And cyber defense is the capacity to ensure the survivability of operations. So even if services have to be delivered in a reduced state, like, you know, we have to come up, come up with effective processes and operations need to be designed to absorb the shock of any attack without the overall systems totally breaking down. So as you discuss, you know, all these challenges with the, the organizations, what are the techniques do you see them using, especially the decision makers to resume operations in the event of any successful cyber attack? Do they have a structured approach or is always a reactive response? Exactly, it's going in and being more proactive. And once again, it goes back to understanding what your critical data is and where it's located. But, but the problem is attacks like ransomware, throw us a curveball because you know, there were many hospitals in the UK, United States, or Australia that had proper backups. So according to traditional IT, their data was backed up in five locations. So if they got hit with a denial of service attack, if one of their servers crashed, if a location went down, they have four other locations that have automatic hot swappable uh, systems that can go in and replicate that data. So everyone thought they were fine, but they didn't realize with a ransomware attack, because it's transparent, that ransomware spreads across all five of those locations and took down their entire operation. And there were hospitals that had to close for three or four days because of that. So we're not proactively thinking about what are the real areas that attackers could go after and how can we properly protect and secure our information. And what I always say is we need to train our executives to ask better questions. Most executives are trained to ask one question. And that question is, what is the value or benefit to the organization? So if you go to an exec and say, I need a new server, I need a cloud-based application, I need administrative access to my box, they're gonna go in and say, well, what is the benefit? What is the value? But what we need to train them to do is ask a second question. They need to go in and ask, what is the risk or exposure? And then use those two parameters. 
based on what is the value to the organization, what is the risk, then they need to ask themselves, is this an acceptable level of risk based on the value or benefit we're getting? Because I always get people ask me, Eric, should we do this in the name of security? And they want a yes or no answer, but I have to ask them, well, what is the value? What is the risk? And then you have to assess whether that risk is acceptable based on that value add. And to me, not enough executives are asking those questions. So that's why they're in a very reactive mode as opposed to being proactive. Very true, no, very true. And uh, now in the past, we have seen that cyber resilience was focused on prevention and measures uh, that were taken, they were often involved uh, around the IT security solutions to existing systems. Now we are witnessing that increasing amount of interest and investment is moving towards improving the detection and monitoring and recovery capabilities. And uh, those are good signs because, you know, we, the effort is towards uh, resilience. That is always a good sign. So do you think that the investments we are seeing are sufficient and they're going in the right direction? Because as you said that, you know, businesses, the executives are always looking at, you know, uh, in return on investment and they talk the language of, you know, the money. So do they understand enough that, you know, that importance of the and identifying risk and putting together, you know, effective technology, a process and people solution so that, you know, they can protect their digital data, all the digital assets and critical infrastructure. Do they have good understanding and are they, you know, investing enough and the investment going enough in the right direction? I think we're definitely heading in that right direction. One of my favorite phrases is prevention is ideal, but detection is a must. You can't prevent all attacks, so you need to detect them in a timely manner. Now, the good news, as you said, is more and more organizations are recognizing that need for detection. So they're looking at setting up security operations centers, SOCs, or setting up SIM, they're setting up digital intelligence, they're doing all those things, which is good. The problem is they're missing to me, the most powerful word when it comes to cybersecurity is prioritization, is what is the highest priority item? So what we're seeing is when you have these large entities that get breached, the security vendors always come back after the fact and say, oh, we detected the attack, our solution detected it, but the company didn't respond and didn't react and, and basically good on us, bad on them. And I would say, wait, time out. Yes. If I sit there and for every packet that comes across your network, I go attack, 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 I'll eventually be right. But the problem is the false positives are so high that nobody believes that information anymore. So you have these technologies that are technically helping, but because they're providing way too much information and we don't have enough staff they're not really fixing the problem. If your security operations center or your SIM tool generates a thousand alerts a day, but your staff can only respond to 200, you have a bad solution. You're going to lose that game. And that's the problem there. We don't understand that you need to align the technology with the resources. What I always tell folks is if your staff can only handle 200 alerts a day, then your tool should only be generating 200 alerts. They come back and go, but Eric, if we only generate 200 alerts, we're going to be missing some attacks. And I say, yes, but today you're missing all the attacks. 
So would you rather tune your tool to get 20% of the most critical attacks, or would you rather set up your tool to alert on everything, but you don't have enough resources so you catch nothing? And it's that alignment that we talked about that a lot of companies are missing, that they're generating way too much information, and there's not enough resources to analyze and respond. Yes, that is a fair, you know very common challenge that we see because you know you there is no way we will have enough resources to address each and every risk that has been identified. So that is just not possible. So we have to focus on the ones that have that will have the bigger impact, and that's where the you know all the resources need to focus on. So that is you know something very very important, and we need those are all different variables and educate that needs to be focused on the education of you know risk management uh, frameworks that we have or that we need to develop the current framework that we have uh, with national institute of standards and technology it is a good start but it still does not address the interconnected and interdependent risk and that's what we at risk group we have come up with a, you know we have uh, published our white paper on the uh, integrated cybersecurity risk management framework, which in, uh, connects not only the cyberspace with geospace, aquaspace and space, but also connects individuals and entities across nations with government industries, organizations and academia, because everything is interconnected. So unless we come up with as a framework, a structure that, you know, identifies and you know addresses that interconnectedness and interdependencies we will never be able to have effective risk management structure and we need to have a structure that has enough security controls so any what we have proposed is that any organization that identifies uh, the risk you know independent risk that falls within their boundaries they must address you know manage those risks the risks that are manageable you they should never be allowed to purchase insurance policies for that and the risks that are not manageable because they have interconnectedness, interdependencies, that needs to be, you know, immediately scaled and, you know, immediately uh, reported. And the insurance industry should be the, you know, bearer of the enforcement of the risk management program so that uh, when we propose this, you know, pro uh, framework, we were very mindful of, you know, making sure that no industry, you know, suffers because of, you know, rapid, you know, big, you know, disruptive changes that needs to happen for the security of, you know, each nation, each, you know, organization. So we have, you know, proposed that insurance industry should be the bearer of the enforcer of the risk management, integrated risk management framework. That way, each and every organization across nations, across industries, they will, you know, make sure that all of them are under the program. And if, if, if there is a, uh, if the risks are emerging, for example, you know, within the United States and they are able to be managed within the United States, then the security of the council that, you know, will be appointed for each different country, they will make sure that, you know, it stays within the country and that other countries do not need to know about the risks that are emerging. So we have come up with a very, you know, good framework. And I hope that, you know, countries are able to focus on that and they are able to uh, move forward on that because without having an effective risk management framework, we will never be able to, you know, bring, you know, security or, you know, resilience to any and all of our initiative, irrespective of whether it's, you know, the United States, China, you know, India, you know, Europe, any country. So th there is a need for effective, you know, framework. And that's what, you know, we are working on. Now, uh, until recently, you know, security and defense concerns, the 
to ensure the not only the cybersecurity but physical security of the supply chain, digital security, uh, you know, across uh, irrespective of you know which space we are talking about, cyberspace, aquaspace, geospace space, they they have not been prominent issues, but now they are because everything is connected. So as we understand the connectedness and interdependencies, how would you plan? If we, if we are not talking about the proposal that I just talked about, the framework, if you have to come up with an effective, you know, a posture or effective processes, how would you go ahead? That, that, that's a great question and, and also sort of a big one because a couple of things that you mentioned I want to highlight uh, before I answer that is first, the, the world was created based on physical boundaries. So ha having this concept of different countries makes sense when people are physically traveling in and out of countries with passports. But really when you look at the internet that's totally interconnected, there really is no countries. We are one world. You can go from one country to any other country. And the problem is in many of these cases, I know the attackers that are going after say US entities, I can tell you exactly where they are in Russia. I can give you the IP addresses, the names, the location. The problem is because in Russia, that is not technically illegal and there's no extradition treaties with the United States, they do not cooperate with us and they can continue to operate. So in answer to your question, one of two things have to happen. Either one, we need to set up physical boundaries on the internet so when you leave the United States, you have to go through passport control, a virtual version of that. So now we're controlling and monitoring who's coming in and who's going out. And what's interesting is that's exactly what Russia, Saudi Arabia, China, North Korea are starting to do. They are actually segmenting and setting up their environment so they can strictly control who's coming in and who's going out of that environment or option two is we need to all work together and create global laws and global enforcement in order to be able to have universal enforcement of that and we've done this with nuclear weapons today there is worldwide enforcement if certain countries like north korea start to build nuclear weapons the u.n will step in and all countries will unite and sanction against them and stop them from doing it. We need to get to that similar place with cybersecurity where all the countries are on the same page. So this way, when we know that some attacks are coming from Russia, US or China, we can then be able to work with law enforcement, shut them down and enforce it equally, as opposed to having this issue where now if you're coming from another country, it's a very high payoff low-risk crime. So the current structure that we have just doesn't work and we either need to re-architect the internet or re-architect the laws that are governing us. No, absolutely. I uh, That is the root of the problem because if you look at the architecture of uh, cyberspace, each and every layer, there are about 13, 14 layers currently. And what it has done is it has given anonymity, right? I mean, everyone who goes on internet 
they are anonymous you know they can create any kind of digital profile they want and we have not come up with you know processes that would give a digital identity to each and every individual or each and every uh, equipment uh, computer or device that is connected to the internet and the point that you made about the we don't have boundaries you know that is true at the moment we don't have china has created their own uh, way of uh, controlling the global information that enters into china same way russia is also trying to develop and like you know other countries that you mentioned they are all trying to create the digital walls and the digital disorder the from digital order to digital disorder is emerging and that is you know a major concern that you know the reason why we created internet was to you know unite and uh, connect everyone across nations and if we are able to connect everybody across nations the kind of digital data that we will get we will be able to identify the using machine learning and you know deep learning we will be able to identify what are the problems and where you know the problems that needs to be solved why we have not been able to solve and any problem that would impact the future of humanity we will be able to solve because we will have so much data so much information so much intelligence so it will be very unfortunate if we create digital walls between you know each and every country's uh, uh cyberspace that would be unfortunate but at the same time if we are not able to manage security you know any other way that by all means we will have to do that but at the same time if we i mean look at currently right now anything that any kind of cyber weapon or missile that enters into our country there are no security checkpoints if you look at you know if a truck is coming at on the roads and the highways there are so many different check, uh, security checkpoints before it enters into our city or our neighborhood but in cyberspace we just don't have that there are absolutely no security checkpoints so anything you know until it comes to your door on your computer and you open it you just don't know what came to you whether it was a mp4 file mp3 file or you know a simple email or some kind of cyber weapon we just don't have the capability right now and also the point that you made that you know we have a lot of times we know that the attacks are coming you know from certain country but if you look at the digital authentication it is not tied to physical authentication so that is where the big challenge is we know uh, and the way the headers and foot you know are changed headers and footer about any of the digital data that you know anybody can manipulate that so to say with confidence that an attack came from certain ip address or it came from this location it is not technically possible currently so what we have to do is make sure we come up with effective digital I mean, technology effective tools that can integrate that can tie both digital location location with the physical location and that is absolutely essential we need to do that then we have better control over where you know attacks are emerging and at the same time for the laws that you talked about we have to have you know all the countries need to unite and come up with effective laws so that the cyber in crime investigators they know how to address you know so a lot of times you know before they know all the you know indicators that would have given them some intelligence of how to solve the crime cyber crime it disappears by the time they get approvals from other country to you know go and you know check uh, investigate that all the data is gone so every country needs to come together we have to come up with effective global standards and uh, there are a lot of you know problems that uh, we need to solve to be able to make the cyberspace a safe you know space for us to 
connect all over other spaces and you know everything that we have developed so far in united states is the biggest victim here because we are you know under attack most you know from every country so we have to be very very careful in how we move forward and i hope that our decision makers understand my book you know addresses each and every of the all the points that i just talked about you know it's coming out in january hopefully i just finished writing that but those are the important things that we need to address because unless we address the fundamentals no matter how much you know we talk about the technology and how much actions we take how much investment we do we will not be able to uh, manage the security risk coming our way so as you move forward how do you see united states what steps do you think united states should take for us to be not only resilient but to you know be not only talk about cyber defense but to make sure that we uh, are not only talking about protecting the entities like corporations and governments but individuals because without protecting individuals now when we bring your own devices everything is connected everybody uses you know corporations you know internet connection so even if you don't allow you know the network is not used by the com computers the the personal devices can be connected to that and you know we are bringing security risk from other devices so what would you tell you know how would you advise the president of the united states on how to you know go forward to me we have to start recognizing that whether we like it or not cybersecurity is a bipartisan issue and is the number one threat facing our nation and unfortunately the united states is ignoring it we we could argue and debate of the environment the green act immigration and all those other factors but let's face it if you really look at a problem that could directly impact every single american today cybersecurity trumps every one of those and we're just ignoring it. the fact that we are heading into 2020 and the united states still does not have a federal data privacy law to protect its citizens is not only an embarrassment it's negligence i mean even the european union multiple countries multiple years ago was able to put together gdpr which protects european citizens and provides measures to make sure they're protected and significant fines for companies that don't do what they're supposed to In the United States when companies are negligent and don't protect our data they get off with a little slap on their hand if you look at some of the recent data breach reports when you go in and look at Equifax for them failing to protect my social security number failure to protect our identity that we now have to live with for the rest of our lives having our personal data compromised The United States government felt that $100 was appropriate. $100 now is my responsibility that pays for 2 years of monitoring of my credit, but now for the next 50-60 years of our lives, we have our social security number compromised, but the United States government just let them off the hook. They should have been fined 20 to $30,000 per person. for those fines and everyone's like well that would of course significant financial impact yes and then they would have made a difference but right now today cybersecurity now companies are saying oh they have a budget they're hiring people but if you really look 
look at their actions, you really look at what they're doing, they're laughing at cybersecurity. They don't care enough to protect our information because the United States government is looking the other way. So the first thing United States needs to do is put all politics aside and Congress and the president need to start passing a data privacy law. Guess what? If they don't want to do the work, just adopt GDPR. It's a lot better than nothing. It might not be perfect, but European Union already wrote the regulations to at least temporarily adopt GDPR in the United States to provide some base level of protection. And then they need to start going in and updating their laws so we actually have recourse. Because right now when big tech fails to protect our critical data, big tech wins and consumer loses. And the United States needs to switch that. Otherwise, we are not going to be the global leader that we are today if we don't start taking data privacy seriously. But do you think data privacy uh, laws that you know are emerging from Europe, do you think they are uh, going to be effective? Because uh, like you just said, you know, the companies, they will be fined if they are not, you know, successful in uh, having effective data privacy uh, and security, you know, in their environment. So if, you know, let's say the data hack happens, you know, or anybody, any hacker or any criminal takes all the data, then, you know, uh, they will go away with the fine that you just talked about, like $100, something, you know, uh, very minimal, irrespective of which country. I mean, you know, Europe has... No, but, no, but that's the difference, though, with GDPR. If GDPR was in place in the United States and Equifax did what they did, they would have actually got hit with a $12 billion fine and that would have got their attention. Pain is the biggest motivator. And 20 million isn't going to motivate big tech. 12 billion will. So to me, what GDPR does differently than any other regulation that has ever been passed is the fines are significant enough that they can't be ignored. They make the pain big enough that companies now say we need to take this seriously. Yes, the seriousness part will be addressed with those kind of laws, but I am still not sure whether data privacy is going to give us data security because, you know, privacy is one thing, but security is all another thing. So I think that we will need to come up with a balanced, uh, you know, some kind of uh, regulation that addresses not only privacy, but also security because data privacy is not going to be enough, you know, just addressing that. At least that's, you know, from my evaluation that we need to focus more on security than data privacy. And a uh, lot of corporations, you know, they do not care if uh, their data is uh, gone because uh, you can, you know, pay the fine, but the intelligence that you get from the data, whoever has that, you know, they can come up with the very effective, you know, AI, uh, some product services. So uh, there is a, you know, going to be a challenge, you know, balancing that because uh, hacking into any of the data, even if you have to end up paying, you know, some fine or, you know, that is going to be minimal as based on, you know, the kind of information and intelligence that you get. So we have to focus more on security, not just privacy, because, you know, right now, for example, let's say, you know, you have a phone or you have some device uh, or USB drive with data from, let's say, you know, any European country and you are living the, you are flying to another country, you, you have the data with you, you can go to another country 
and uh, you can use that data without you know any problem so unless we come up with uh, some kind of encryption that as long as soon as you know uh, individuals you board a plane and the plane you know goes uh, out of the country's jurisdiction then all the data gets encrypted and unless that individual comes back into that country it will not open no matter what so if we have to focus on those kind of security solution because otherwise just by having data privacy there are no laws that prevents the data leaving the country that anybody can take the data go to another country countries like china and others use that data and then you know come back that nobody would know what data you know went where so unless we have security checkpoints at the airport and you know the places which you know encrypts the data and would not allow it to leave we are not going to be able to effective just by the laws we have to come up with effective encryption tools that would not allow the secure you know the data to go out of the country no matter you know by air by water you know whatever path they take so we have to come up with those kind of solutions that is the first step that you know europe has you know come up with the data privacy regulation that is a good step but it's not enough to protect the data to secure the data that is my understanding so having said that what would you like to tell our global viewers and listeners especially about your books and all the initiatives that you are working on because i looked at your website you are doing some really fascinating work so what would you like to tell them uh well, once again it's just a uh... absolutely agree that it's ultimately about data security how are you protecting and securing that information but the reason why i push data privacy is because to me the difference between a major breach and a minor breach is not the servers but the data and we need to get companies to start thinking that way and then hoping they do the right thing but but even with what you're saying i would sort of argue that a lot of the technology is here and i know cuz i've read a lot of your posts that you agree with this the weakest link is the human we can have the best encryption the best technology the best solutions on the planet but if one person puts that data on a usb drive puts it in their pocket and leaves the company or leaves the country all bets are off so i think we forget that it's really a human problem more than anything else and that's why my big mission is really on awareness and educating people and individuals because unless executives understand cybersecurity individuals understand parents teachers until people understand the problem we're never going to fix this with technology it's got to be a partnering of something raising awareness with that technology so those two can come together and be properly protected and the final thing I'll sort of leave is to me when you think about cybersecurity before you do anything before you spend an hour of your time or a dollar of your budget on anything in security always ask three questions what is the risk is this the highest priority risk and is your solution the most cost effective way of reducing it the more we can go in and focus on highest priority risk and be able to allow ourselves to detect and control the amount of damage we're not going to win in cybersecurity money isn't going to solve it technology is not going to solve it it's a mindset we have to make sure we're fixing the right problem and not just fixing good problems that are out there yes very true no those are excellent suggestions excellent points for everyone to consider and the data as you say it has to be at the 
focus. You know, that has to be the focus. It has to be at the center. And especially in the coming years, we are not even talking about the data on the servers or data in the cloud. We are talking about data that will go in the DNA. So think about it. You know, it's everything is going to be miniaturized. So you take a small, you know, enough uh, microchip and you go to other country with all the data, all the information, all the intelligence. So we will have to come up with effective, you know, uh, tools that will be able to even do the micro, you know, chip analysis that who is taking what out of our country and where it is going to be exploited, you know, or misused or without permission. So there is a lot of work that we security professionals need to, you know, focus on in the coming years. But at the core is education and awareness, as you said. And, uh, you know, I'm sure that our global viewers and listeners are going to uh, listen to this, you know, watch this Risk Roundup episode and understand the uh, seriousness of protecting the digital data. Even all the corporations, you know, that are listening to this, uh, any government entity, any government agency is listening to this because it is absolutely essential. And uh, like you said that, you know, it is sometimes important to have the hefty fines to bring seriousness to their, you know, initiatives and effort in uh, protecting the digital data. So thank you so much, Dr. Kaur, for participating in Risk Roundup today. We appreciate your thoughtful insight to building, you know, cyber defense and our global viewers and listeners will benefit tremendously from the information you provided on the complex challenges and the uh, lack of, you know, seriousness uh, that are, you know, that we are witnessing uh, in especially with the cyber defense initiatives and cybersecurity. So even if a single individual or entity can come up with an idea to understand and develop cyber defense and resilience towards their initiatives, industries or nations based on the discussion we had today. This risk round of dialogue has been of service and we thank you for that. Well, thank you and it's my pleasure. Wonderful, Dr. Cole. So Risk Roundup, a global initiative launched by Risk Group, is a security risk reporting for risk emerging from existing and emerging technologies, technology conversions and transformation happening across cyberspace, aquaspace, geospace and space. We at Risk Group believe that risk management, security and peace they walk together hand in hand. Though security is related to the management of threats and peace to the management of conflict, risk management is related to management of security vulnerabilities as well as management of conflict. And it is not possible to conceive any one of the three without the existence of the other two. All three concepts feed into each other. We believe that the security we build for ourselves is precarious and uncertain until it is secure for everyone across nations. Tradition becomes our security. So if we build a culture of managing risk effectively, it will lead us to security and security will lead us to peace. Let's manage the existing and emerging risk together. For more information on the risk roundups, to watch the risk roundup videos or hear the risk roundup podcast, please go to riskgroupllc.com and do not forget to subscribe and share. Until next time, I'm Jayshree, host of Risk Roundup, signing off. See you next time. Thank you.